We are so lucky to have some incredible humans in the studio today. Join us today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast, or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org. This is Nicole, and I am here with Jack and Jack Jr. and Lucas. We are so excited to have you guys here today. Welcome. So, Lucas, what do you think of the studio? Now you know where I come when I say I'm going to record a podcast. Um, it's pretty. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lucas. Yep. And a cool studio. Um, we have very important questions for both of you. And I think we're going to start with Lucas. What is your favorite drink at Starbucks? Um, caramel ribbon crunch. Frappuccino. Cream base. <laughs> no coffee? I can't have any coffee. He does like coffee. I mean, the wait, day. remind me again coffee. what your heritage is. <laughs> I am Cuban. And your son can't have coffee? I know. I, I mean, it depends coffee. on the time of the day. I have coffee every morning. Do you really? Yeah. So I grew up having coffee every morning. And often when I'm making it in our house, I brew the same brand of coffee that my abuelo did every morning. Are you going to share? Yes. Bustelo is what I brew. And it's supposed to be espresso, which is how my grandparents brewed it like little cafetecito so it's like this small like espresso shots basically or you'd use the espresso for cafe con leche which is what I drank as a little kid but now I just brew it in like my regular coffee maker with like four heaping teaspoons in the filter and that's the coffee that I drink it's so good and I think Jack Jr. has proven can you stand up for us Jack Jr.? I think Jack Jr. has proven that coffee does not stunt your growth. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Jr., can you share with us your favorite drink at Starbucks? Dragon fruit refresher with lemonade and no dragon fruit inclusion and no one. What's dragon fruit inclusion? The fruit that they put in the bottom. So I kind of like it because then when you finish your drink, you got like a little snacky. He doesn't like that. However, if you take the inclusion out, the drink is clear instead of pink, which is like kind of my favorite part of it. It's like a yellowish. Well, I think it's yellow because you got the lemonade in it. Yeah, you add the lemonade. Lucas, do you want to share anything about how you came to live in your current family? Well... I was in foster care for almost five years. Do you know how old you were when you went into foster care? I think I was about four years old. Some of the foster care people were mean to me. Can we find them and beat them up now? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If you want. (laughs) 
but I'd rather no one go near them because I don't want no one to get hurt. So I was abused by them. And then with the foster care people, they had to move and they couldn't take us. And then mom came into my life. A year later, she adopted me. And now I'm hers. Man, that was um really brave. When I'm on a podcast, I understand that I can get all my feelings and words. How does it make you feel to so openly say that you were in a home that you were abused in? I don't think I've ever heard you so openly discuss that. I feel proud. Good for you, man. I'm, I'm so just, freaking proud of you. Really, I was really, I was brave and really, really nervous. You were very brave. Anybody who has interaction with you is always very impressed with the person that you are and how you come across and how kind you are to the people around you and just a pretty incredible dude. I agree. One of my favorite stories was somebody came up to me. We were at our pool in our community and he walked his little brother to the bathroom and one of the staff members at the clubhouse came up to me and said, is that your son? And I said, yes, is everything okay? (laughs) He said, I just really wanted to compliment him and let you know how kind he was. And he was helping his brother wash his hands and he held the door open for some other people. And he said, I've kind of been watching him and he's just so polite and so kind to hear, you know, kind of what he just shared for someone to be able to like have that experience that wasn't great and then still be able to be so kind and compassionate and helpful is kind of freaking awesome. So one of the things that Lucas is pretty good at too is kind of restarting every day. Every day is a new day. As a kid with trauma coming into my home, things were not super easy in the beginning. Yeah, kind of hard. Yeah, kind of hard. And so we had a lot of stuff that we had to work through. So one of the things I said to him a lot was every day is a new day. Took me a minute to kind of get there and like switch my like trauma-informed parenting brain on. Can you maybe say that to me sometimes in the mornings? Yes. Can you, can you like maybe train my brain a little better? Because sometimes I carry things through from the previous day. He kind of has really taken that in and then now sometimes reminds me. Like, it's a new day, right, Mama? And I'm like, yes, it is. Can I ask, Lucas, do you remember when you were first removed? I think I remember the first house I went to. Do you ever remember living with your biological mother? Yeah, sometimes. Do you know how many houses you were in before you moved to your mom's house? Do you know mama? So he was in three foster placements prior to me and with a relative caregiver in between each of those places, he said abuse. He was there for the majority of the time that he was in care. So for years? For years. Oh, really? Years. Did you ever tell anybody about the abuse before you left? I didn't tell anybody until I was safe. I didn't tell anybody until I trusted him, which is my mom. Yeah. Well, I'm really sorry that that happened to you because foster homes are supposed to be places where kids are safe. Mm -hmm. And when they're not, it's really not fair. Right. Well, it's okay because... Now I'm away from those bad people and now I'm with someone new. The other really cool thing about Lucas, and I think it's probably what got him through the hard stuff, is he has this like really incredible strong faith. Definitely stronger than his brother and sister. His brother and sister's faith has grown, but he just innately had it. And I think it's probably what saved him while he was going through those situations. Do you remember one of the first things we did and I had scheduled? right after I adopted you. Disney World? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so we totally went 
went to, you know, Universal Studios and things like that. And we had like a, a two week vacation. As soon as I had an adoption date, I scheduled a baptism for the kids. Oh, the baptism. Right. Did they give you a good dunk? Yeah. I'm sure it was really scary when you went to your mom's house because the place you were coming from was not a good foster home. And now you were going somewhere new and you didn't know if it maybe it would be worse, but you knew it would be different and you weren't used to it with new people. Right. Was it scary when you first got there? Um, maybe a little bit, but that first day I wasn't that scared. It was fun. Lucas and his sister were my first placements, and I knew that they were coming to me. You know, I was going to be a prospective adoptive placement for them and their little brother who came, you know, several months later. So I knew that kind of going into it. His sister, she was really attuned to that fact. I don't know that he was. He never really said much. Was than the him. TPR done when before they moved? years before. Lucas, do you remember when it was that you realized that this was your mom forever? Um, well, I realized it when we all asked to be adopted and she said yes. Because I know my mom tells the truth, so... And I knew what was going to happen because she loves that. I do love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of you kind of had a feeling it was going to happen, so you asked her and she said yes? Yep, of course she would. She probably saw how happy I was. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think uh, the best part about being in your family is? It's doing fun activities. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like on the day of your adoption? Did it really mean a lot to you because it was official? Or did it kind of feel like this is just the form? Formalities were already a family. I was kind of like, this isn't really doing anything. All it is is just me getting adopted and actually being with somebody that's going to stay with me forever. But it just felt like just getting adopted and then that's it. Oh, can you tell us about your name change? Well, I didn't like my name, my old name, because that was my dad's name. And my dad's not a good person, so I wanted to switch it. I had no idea it was something that was like on his mind or his heart, but I kind of checked in with different people that kind of support us. And, you know, everybody thought it was a good, safe decision to to let him do that. And that kind of um, started the ball rolling with kind of everyone's name. I think it's really important that you let him have that choice in it because so much in adoption is taking choices away from kids. For him to be able to have that choice was like empowering him in a pretty cool way. I'm assuming you already know this, Lucas, but if you don't, one of the things that I think is kind of cool about when names are changed in adoption is because when you read the Bible and uh, hear all these stories about God giving a new identity to someone or somebody who's gone through an experience and grown from that. They are given a new name. It's kind of a neat thing. And it kind of, to me, I feel like shows that like you've been through an experience and you've grown through that and you can only get stronger through your experiences. I think it's really cool how God gives that example in the Bible of giving you a new name to signify that change and, and the new person that you've grown into. Do you remember anything about your actual adoption day, Jack Jr.? I feel like I slept. Are you talking about the one in Africa or the one in Florida? Uh, Africa. Yeah, you probably slept a little there. Yeah. Wait, there were two? 
we had to go to court in Africa and we had to go to court like a bunch of times there. They don't actually perform the adoption ceremony there. They give you permission to come to America to adopt him. So that was a whole court process there. And then you have to go through the whole visa process. That's why we were there for so long. And then, you know, while you're in country, like laws suddenly change and you have to like (laughs) jump through different hoops. Actually, this might be a fun story. One of the most talked about stories from our time in Africa was this one night. We had already completed all the processes with the court and the court had given us a written order saying we give you permission to take this child to the United States and adopt him. I think they give you guardianship basically and and permission to leave the country. And so normally you then just go to the American embassy and you get your visa and you know you might have to do a couple other steps in between like going to get photographs, getting a passport and then you go get your visa. But it's usually a pretty short time span to leave after the court says you can leave okay well we went to get the visa they ask you all these questions um they interview you just to make sure nothing nefarious has gone on sure you have to show all the proof all of the paperwork that you've done and all of the paperwork from the attorneys and all the paperwork that they have shown that they have you know searched for family and that they couldn't find anybody i think they have to like post um radio blurbs and newspaper bulletins okay like with pictures of him from when he was younger to try and find family we go to the to the embassy and we we had all these people that we knew that had done this before and this part's supposed to be smooth so we go to the embassy appointment we do the interview it was a little unnerving when they when yeah. they like ask you imagine. questions but we get to the end and they're like okay everything's fine except we need all the original paperwork from the orphanage and i was like wait what And they were like, yeah, we just changed the rule today that now everybody needs all the paperwork from the orphanage. Now, I don't remember exactly how far it was, but the orphanage, I think, was like six hours away. On A friend of mine who has spent a lot of time in Uganda has said that this is the most dangerous road in all of Uganda. And um, we actually know someone who was killed on this road. So it's like six hours away. They give us another appointment for the next day. And we call the attorney and she's like, well, I'll get them to bust the paperwork down. And I'm like, I don't trust that like we're gonna sit here and hope that the bus comes with the paperwork and that everybody does what they're supposed to do in time for this appointment tomorrow i talked to our driver and he's like yeah i wouldn't trust that either because sometimes the buses don't come what if there's a power outage and we can't get a hold of them and i go can we just go get it and he's like are you sure and i was like yes like whatever we need to do let's just go right now and it was pretty late at night it was like almost sundown so it was me jack daddy and jack jr and our friends who were were also there adopting it was just the father and the daughter because the mom and the other sister had already flown back okay um because they had other situations going on and because we thought this last thing would just be a was, couple of days me and this other mom knew that like we knew what we knew what we knew <laughs> and we weren't trusting the guys to make sure we had the right paperwork <laughs> I don't know why I thought like I should be the one to get in this car and drive through Africa in the middle of the night. But I knew we needed to get him home. Yeah. I knew that I wouldn't have trusted anybody else to do it. I would have been up all night anyways, worrying that he got the right papers. So I told them to take the kids home. We brought them back to the guest house and me and the driver took off. And it was like definitely the scariest night of my life. I remember as soon as we started to leave, he's like, oh, I'm out of minutes on my phone. I got to go buy minutes and I trust him. I would trust him with anything. I love this guy. He's family no matter what. He's come to America. We took him to Disney World. It was oh, that's so cool. Quite an experience. 
experience. We get in the car. He goes to buy minutes. And I remember that was the scariest part because that was the first. They always tell you don't go out after dark. Oh, right? OK. This is the type of country where the streets are lined with people with machine guns and there's terrorist bombings quite often. And you'll get an alert every once in a while that, OK, if you're a foreigner, you don't leave your house today and you everybody just stays in. So oh, this wow. was going out at night was not something that was recommended let alone on the dangerous road. And was it dangerous because of the terrain or dangerous because of the area that you're going through? Or All dangerous of the above. Because of the tourist bombings? Wait till you hear. <laughs> he goes in to get minutes and that is when it hit me. Oh, bleep. <laughs> what did I do? I should have said Jack Daddy. I'm sure it was like two minutes, but it felt like five hours until he came back. And then he came back and he was like, you good? I'm like, yep. And then we took off. It's dangerous for a lot of reasons. First of all, what happens a lot there is that police, or police, <laughs> my quotation hands, will set up a roadblock and they'll say, you can't pass without giving us some tea. And tea means give us money. money. That was my first mistake. Because the first time we hit one of those, I'm like, Farouk, I've got some chamomile in my bag. And he's like, no, 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 <laughs> They don't want your tea. They want money. And I was like, are you sure? Because I have chamomile. Because <laughs> I always took chamomile to like relax me when things got stressful. Anyways, so it was dangerous because of the roadblocks, because you don't know if they're going to try and get you to pay a bribe in order to pass, you know, and they're all sitting there with machine guns. And we're like, so that's the first thing. We hit like three of those on the way. But because our driver was experienced and knew what he was doing, he was just like, no, no, no. And they let him through. Oh, OK. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure that that's always what happens. But with our guy, we were good. It was the same road that I saw my first dead body. But it wasn't that night. It was the previous time we went there. We were driving back because I remember Jack Jr. was in my arms and I was like holding his head so he wouldn't look at it. In these countries where they don't have the infrastructure we have, if somebody gets in a car accident or something, it's five hours to a hospital. Even if you're close to a hospital, you don't get an ambulance unless you pay in cash up front. Oh. And only very wealthy people can pay for an ambulance in cash up front. Oh my gosh. So if you have a problem and you can't quickly walk yourself, you just die. You're going to die. So this wow. was a village in the middle of nowhere. I guess a man had been walking and a motorcycle, a boda boda ran over him. And so he was lying dead in the street and this woman was screaming over him. Oh. Help, help, help. Oh. And I remember saying to our driver, can we help her? Is there anything we can do? And he's like, there's nothing we can do. We can't do anything. Oh. That was my first experience with this road. The other thing that's dangerous with this road, aside from like the accidents and the T-stops and <laughs> um, is that you could be driving like 40 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour. It's like dirt roads through the rainforest. Right. It's beautiful during the day. I have pictures of this drive, like absolutely some of the most beautiful places I've seen in the world. Is it actually rain in there? Yeah, it absolutely rains in the rainforest. And you'd see monkeys hanging from the trees. It was oh, so cool. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and you go through these, like, mountains, and there were hills. But you you could be driving, and then a cow would just be in the road. And if you're oh. going 40 miles an hour, and there's no lights, you're in the middle of Africa. Right, right, right. So a lot of times, people have car accidents because they hit something, because mm. it's this tiny dirt road, and you're going 40, 50 miles an hour, and a cow steps in front of you. Right. And then there's no hospital, so you're out of luck. I just remember texting my friend, telling her what I was doing, and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pray for you. 
Why didn't you just wait and go the next day? It was a lot. In the end, it was fine. Every time we'd go through a village, we'd get slowed down. But the best part of the whole trip was when we pulled into the orphanage. The sister who ran the orphanage, who we became very close with, I love her to bits and pieces. She's felt so bad, like waking her up because it was like midnight. It was the middle of the night, right? Yeah. But as soon as we pulled up, she came out with the file and I'm like, everything's in here. And the file for me and the file for the other family. And she's like, yeah. So we took it and we drove home. Like I didn't sleep a drop of that night. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and then what's your appointment the next day? Like middle I, of the day or It was like time morning, or? early. Right. So you really yeah. didn't have a choice. You no. had no choice but to drive overnight yeah. and back. Yeah. I, I remember the text coming at me like, what are you thinking? Why did you do this? Which you is know. super helpful when you're doing something when dangerous. <laughs> super helpful. <laughs> but it's like one of those things when it's like you get that mama bear on where you're Heck like, yeah. I'm getting my kid home. I mean, you're telling the story and I'm like, what other choices do you yeah, have? You don't have that, that's it. Like, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> I would have been in the car right. and I, I bet you the mom of the other family would have been by your side. She's, yeah, she's like, she she's like, I absolutely have been with yeah. you. I'm glad that you went instead of sending one of the dads. Yeah. yeah if you was, want something done right, you've got to do it yourself, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was, it was a pretty wild ride. Lucas, yes. you and Jack Jr. are both brothers. You're both adopted. You live in these homes where these foster kids come and go. What's that like for you? Um, It's kind of hard sometimes and it gets busy in the house. So what are some of the positive things about being brothers in a foster home? You get to learn new things and sometimes they'll help you with your homework. Do they help you with your homework, Jack Jr.? Yeah, Bruno helps me with my homework every now and then. Only when I ask him, like, I can't do this. And he's like, oh, I can help you. Okay, so what were you saying about little birdie? He's usually sleeping or fake sleeping or just not paying attention. What about you, Lucas? What is something positive about being a foster brother? Um, getting to know them and understand them. Lucas. Yeah? What advice would you give to someone whose parents are considering fostering? No advice. Okay. I would say congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Jr., what would you say? Get lots of snacks and be prepared for losing of the snacks. I can be eating a snack and then Bruno or Little Birdie will walk in and they'll like take some of the snack. And, like, and then we like fight over it. Like, no. Nah. <laughs> I heard that there was an argument in your room last night. Jack Daddy said that two of the boys in the older boy room mm-hmm. were arguing, but he was kind of giving them space to see if they could work it out. Is that a fact? Was there an argument last night? There's an argument. Possibly. <laughs> Lucas, what is one word you would use to describe foster care? Happiness. There's kind of that positive place that he tends to go to. That resiliency. Yes. Okay, Lucas. Yes. What do you do when you're really stressed out to feel better? I give my mom a hug. He does. <laughs> Could you stop? <laughs> it's so cute. He does. He's like, oh, I need how a can hug. I? <laughs> There's no possible way. Literally, no possible way to stop being cute. That's like I told Baby Jack a couple of days ago. Why are you so cute? He goes. It's my thing. Yeah, that was adorable. <laughs> Sometimes you go to my room or take yoga rest. Big thing in our backyard. Oh, I go on the trampoline. <laughs> and I jump in, I want to jump the hoop. That's kind of his go-to, the hug or... Can I go on the trampoline by myself? Yeah. Which is really the indication that he like needs a moment. Because otherwise he'll just say, can I jump on the trampoline? Yeah. 
But if he needs Some, it by himself. Yeah. Sometimes I say, can I jump on the trampoline? And I can't, I forget by myself. <laughs> and then Gabby comes over and says, can you put the trampoline? <laughs> but she never asks him on the trampoline unless I'm on there. Very true. <laughs> I go on the trampoline for one reason. To be alone. <laughs> Jack Jr., what do you do when you're stressed out? Um, lately, I've been playing video games and like just playing Smash Bros. When I'm angry at school, I just, uh, play basketball with my friends or yeah lucas yes are there any ideas that you have to make our community a better place well i'm gonna answer your question but there's also a thing that we do in school Uh uh-huh we have a group of my friends we call it helping the homeless basically there's snacks in there in the little bucket Uh and you have to pay a certain amount to get that snack and then we're helping the homeless by giving the homeless money. So we made our own little business. <laughs> that is so made our awesome. Own little business. So we get the whole bucket of snacks, and if you want a snack from in there, you have to pay them a certain amount, and then the money gets donated. There's no company or anything. It's just like, <laughs> like you'll drive around and you'll see probably a homeless person, and so like here's five bucks. Go get yourself something to drink or something like that. How did I not know this? Because it's a secret company. I'm joking. It's not secret, but... That's very cool, Lucas. I'm so freaking proud of you, man. So you're already doing stuff. Thank you, Lucas, for doing such an awesome thing. Yeah. Lucas, what would you do to change foster care? If you could change one thing about foster care, what would you change? Everybody being nice, of course. Mm, That would be good. That's a good one. And that should be something that just is... Thank you both so much for joining us today. Yep. It was so cool to have you here. You too. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.